Hey East Meets West listeners, in this episode, Albert and I are discussing the latest innovations in mixed reality technology, specifically Apple's upcoming Vision Pro headset. We'll cover everything from its design and features to its potential impact on the market. But before we dive in, a quick reminder to subscribe and follow the pod. It's the best way to show your support and help us grow. As always, keep listening and enjoy. Welcome to the East Meets West podcast, a podcast about understanding Asia tech and how Asia tech affects the world. My name is Dan. Joining me as always, Albert, how you doing? Dan, I'm going good. I'm going very, very good because I just had some good news this week. Uh, I think, you know, I was unemployed. Well, unemployed, asterisk, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And I'm getting a job offer. So, well, you know, we'll share more about that as it comes in, sign the contract. So, yeah, pretty exciting. How are you? Yeah, that is really exciting. I got no news to top that, Albert. Um, I found it funny actually editing the last week's pod with the uh, announcement, but good to know that it was a pretty short break for you in the end. No, no, thank you. I'm pretty excited about today's episode. Dan, what are you talking about? Well, we're looking at the new Vision Pro, so Apple's you know, it's billed, I think, as the AR VR headset, but there's a lot more to that. And definitely Apple has positioned it in a in a very different way, referring to sort of spatial or spatial computing. A lot to sort of dig in here, but Albert, perhaps let's just do the easy summary. It's a, what, it's like a set of uh, goggles which you can put over your head and then you can integrate uh, digitally with essentially like an iOS. How would you describe it as, as simply as you could? Yeah, I think it's a a computer that is got a form factor that looks like goggles. <laughs> so it is a standalone computer. Like you don't need to have an iPhone or you don't need to have a MacBook. It's got like an M2 chip in it, um, and so it's effectively a computer in in the form factor of goggles. And the display uh, is built into uh, the eyes, and the way it projects out is that um, the whatever you're looking at your screen gets projected in augmented reality in your environment. Uh, so, you know, to quickly clarify, it is a computer, standalone computer, looks like goggles, uh, and the display is effectively your environment. Yeah, so the way it works is like a pair of ski goggles, you put them over your face, but then there's a whole bunch of tech and hardware in it. So there's 12 cameras, five sensors, six microphones, and then two high-resolution uh, displays, you know, 4K, equivalent of 4K TVs per eye. And then with the use of those cameras, it's seeing what you would see as you turn your head, projecting that onto the screens that cover your eyes. And then through all the software and other stuff they have, they can integrate these sort of digital screens and iOS type uh, activities over the top of what you're seeing. Can we just quickly talk about how it's probably the best named Apple product in a very long time? Like the Apple Vision Pro sounds way better than like AirPods or iPad or iPhone. Like it's a cool name. <laughs> better than Oculus, I'll give you that. Albert, just sort of immediately when you saw it, when you heard about it, what did you think the one use case you'd be using it for would be? The, the very first one that comes to me, um, I think is like being able to use it as a computer. So like when you're talking about like browsing internet now, you can just like seamlessly browse the internet using your eyes like i think facetime and all those things are things that appeared in in the 
you know, the demo video when they went to market at WWDC this week. But I think for me, the key one is like, now you've got a computer where you can literally work anywhere because the display becomes, you know, your environment. So instead of having to lug around your PC and things like that, you know, it takes work from home to a whole new level. Do you think that, let's take a bit of a critical lens out, do you think that's that's actually a differentiator? Like, wouldn't I prefer just to take my laptop out as opposed to this funky looking headset, sit in a cafe, put it on, acknowledging it's got a two hour battery life unless you've got it directly plugged in? Yep. Is it, yep. Is it really kind of the future of work? Look, to, to me, it's really hard to say, but I think something that Apple does really well is like take new paradigms of things and flip them over their head. So like... You know, when you talk about the iPhone, if you look at smartphones before Apple came in, smartphones had a full keyboard, you know, they weren't touchscreen. Apple came in and flipped what it means to be a smartphone on its head. And now every phone looks like or is built like an iPhone, like it's a full display with touchscreen, the keyboard's built on touchscreen. And so if you say it's like, do I think it's overblown? Like, I don't think so because historically Apple have shown that they can launch a new product and completely shift how something's done uh, into what their new product looks like. Yeah, I saw some interesting commentary which sort of described the way Apple approaches things is they wait a couple of years, see the underlying tech, see what the trends are going to be, and then they launch a very refined product based on their view of the world and how that tech should be. And I think a good counterpoint is when you look at Meta, you know, three or so years ago, they launched into obviously the metaverse, rebranding and everything else. And Apple took a bit more of a backseat approach to see where things were going to land before they launched their product. And I think it's it's useful to actually use that comparison because Zuckerberg had some comments based on the Vision Pro release. Um, and he sort of took a dig that the Apple advertisements had a, a person sitting on a couch by themselves uh, he says that his vision of the future of computing isn't that. He thinks it's people interacting in new ways, getting active. And I think that's a bit more of a pivot towards gaming, which we talked about before we started recording, Albert. Between those two visions, if we can sort of summarize them down to that, Apple's is more of like a compute, solo activity, future of work, and then maybe meta, more gaming, interactive. Which one do you think will win out? I, th- I, th- I don't know if it's about like winning out, but I would look at it as like Apple have now built a computer where you control that computer with your eyes. Like they've got these sensors that sense and cameras within their Apple Vision goggles that like sense where your eyes are looking to then point things out. And then you can move it with your fingers. Like there's like zoom and things like that based on your finger sensors or how they've done it. And so the way I look at it is like, Apple have built a platform that will enable other things where Zuckerberg and Meta are focused on social. And you can tell Apple's not focused on social at all because they're still built FaceTime, they've still built other things. They're not trying to replicate having someone physically with you, which is what the Google VR headset is, if you've seen that, uh, and what you know Meta's trying to do. They're trying to build a whole new like platform for how computing is done. And so when I look at like, Zuckerberg trying to be more div and trying to like get people to do things together in the metaverse. His focus is on like social and engagement, whereas Apple is like, how do we change how compute is done? And and let's not think about the specific use case of vertical. Let's just think about like 
what this infrastructure is and, and how it could tie in into other things. That's such a, a good point because I think in some ways a way of looking at this launch is a bit of a prototype. There's going to be features in this headset which I think five years from now, whatever updated version you have, are going to completely strip those away. Like you can already criticize some things like there's a really wonky feature with FaceTime where like because obviously you're wearing these goggles, you're not holding up a camera to your face. Yep. What is the other person seeing when you FaceTime them? And the answer to that is that Apple is sort of using the cameras to have a 3D render of your face. So it's like... Yeah, yeah, like an avatar, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So a hyper-realistic avatar, which, you know, when you're trying to FaceTime someone, you want that personal connection, you're sort of being there with them. If you've got this kind of slightly cartoonish digitized version, I don't think you're going to get that effect. I'd be surprised if that feature sticks with us uh, in the coming years. But maybe I would just to sort of wrap this point, I think if we're talking about this as potentially the next um, sort of smartphone equivalent revolution, at the moment, sort of worldwide, there's maybe about 16 million VR units being sort of transacted globally. That's a small fraction compared to like the 1 billion smartphones that are shipped worldwide each year. So that gives you an idea of the type of scale where if this is a paradigm shift, this could be a, a hugely revolutionary product. Yeah, I think it obviously comes at a pretty premium price point. It's like priced at 3500 US. And so that is very expensive and puts it, you know, a lot more expensive than other Apple products. But I think it's worth noting that Apple products do come down in price over time. Like, you know, the first iPhone was pretty expensive and the first iPad was pretty expensive and they start to launch like other products within that. So I think hopefully we'll start to see that this comes down in price to make it more affordable. I think it is a hard sell to someone which is like, you can buy a $1,000 iPhone, which already is very expensive for a phone, versus like, you can buy a $3,500. That probably comes at like 4500 Australian virtual reality or mixed reality headset. Like, I think it's a hard sell. What do you want to hit next, Albert? I think I probably want to talk about like, first, like, is this the right time to launch a product like this? I think there's like two things. The first is... Uh, are, are we ready for this like paradigm shift? And then the second is like, I think a lot of people are predicting we are going to approach or be approaching a recession. And I think there's going to be a pretty big economic slowdown. Like, is it the right time to launch a product that's like three and a half thousand dollars? That's like almost nice to have. I think it is uh, because this is something where I think it's visionary. Ultimately, we're looking at a product which changes the way you think about how you work, how you interact with others. Um, how you just sort of sit at home on the couch. And th there's a reason this has been launched now, but it's not actually going to be distributed until sort of first quarter 2024 because there's going to be a whole lot of dev work in between where right now you've got sort of the iOS native apps on there, but there hasn't been a chance for external developers that are approved by Apple to have a look at the code and then provide sort of this extra layer of applications on top. We don't know what the future of this is going to be, but this is about creating the space for people to start to think, to dream, this is what we can do with this kind of tech, which is really, really exciting. Like I know we compared this to Meta. Meta hasn't done anything this exciting in the three years in which they've been sort of building up the metaverse. So to me, that's the purpose of this, is it's really just trying to get people thinking about what could possibly be. And who cares if they sell 100, 1,000, 10,000 sets as opposed to millions now? That's going to come down the track. 
Yeah. I think this is the right time. I, I look at it as like everyone is moving or a lot of people are trying to shift towards a hybrid work environment. I think like even if I just think something that restricts like work and the flow of work is just like the number of screens you have, right? Like if you only have one screen, you can only look at one thing at a time. And if you've got your uh, environment three-dimensionally is now your work, you can like quickly look at whatever you need to because you can project it anywhere. And so now I can sit in a room that could almost be like, you know, Mission Control in Houston where you've got like all these different tabs around me. And so instead of being restricted in two-dimensional space by like one or two screens, I've now got a bunch of open tabs around me that I can quickly like process and look for information. So I think when I think about like, how quickly can I process information as a knowledge worker? Like that just becomes exponential or like, you know, at least grows faster than having or being limited by two displays. I think the other part of your sort of question or prompt, Albert, is just sort of what are the external factors that made this ready now? And we talk obviously a lot about semiconductors and computer chips. In this headset, you've got the M2 and R1 processors. I think another reason this product is coming out now is Apple is well and truly mature in their design of the computer chips. They're no longer using you know, Intel to supply their chips, which opens up so many more possibilities for them and the features they can create. So that, that's a bit of a perfect storm where you couldn't have had this product five, six years ago before some of those chips, I think, were well and truly ready. No, no, that, that's, a great, that's a great call out. These chips really enable this kind of like high-level compute. I think it's also worth noting this didn't come out of the blue, right? Apple has been playing around with augmented reality for, you know, almost five, six years. I think, um, you know, the Pokemon Go came out in 2016, which will be, it's like, you know, seven years ago. And so this has been a very slow evolution from what I, I think has probably been like a 10-year vision for Apple that was laid down a long time ago. All right, Albert, let's wrap. Any last thoughts? Would you buy one, Dan? Like they come out, say, early next year. Are you going to buy one? No, I'm, I'm not going to buy one. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not an uh, early adopter like you are, but though I know you're going to pick one up. Is that right? Yeah, I think I'll pick one up. If it, I mean, if it's more than $5,000, I probably won't. But I think if it comes down to like four, four and a half thousand dollars I don't, I don't see why I wouldn't pick one up. I think, you know, this is potentially something that is going to be one of the most exciting things to come out of this business, if it all works well. Um, and if it doesn't, like, I think it's very rare Apple adds a new, like, product line. Like, they've got iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, um, and then, you know, their computer lineup, Macs. But to add a vision, like, it's, it's a new, new product lineup. They must have a lot of belief in it. Yeah, I think my last sort of thoughts is just tying into the Asia connection uh, 40 million sort of hashtags or views on Weibo uh, with the announcement. Uh, worthwhile to note that Japan, South Korea, and China are sort of three of the top markets for VR and AR. And then also in terms of Apple's supply chain, sort of there's going to be three developer, or sorry, there's going to be six developer labs throughout the world, and three of those are going to be in Asian cities for Apple, so Tokyo, Singapore, and Shanghai. And a lot of their supply chain runs through Japan with a lot of the uh, vision manufacturing products coming out of places uh, like Sony. So there is obviously a big connection and tie up with uh, Asia with this release uh, and interested to see where that kind of pans out. It's probably also going to be another like 
um, arms race when it comes to chips, right? Like this new R1 chip that they've put out. Like I imagine TSMC is now firing and, you know, everyone else are going to start to fire after that. Well, not only that, but, you know, ByteDance, uh, a company which we've covered a few times now, but, uh, you know, the creator of TikTok, they've owned or they've acquired Pico, which is in the Chinese market, and that's got sort of a majority share of the ARVR there. So you could shape up not only sort of a ByteDance versus Meta uh, in social, but you could have ByteDance versus Apple in the hardware space as well. Oh, it sounds like Chinese influence creeping right into your eyes. <laughs> All right, Albert, let's finish up there. Thank you for listening to the East Meets West podcast, a podcast for understanding Asia tech and how Asia tech affects the world. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, follow, and we'll catch you next week. See ya.